0: The Biden administration responds after attacks on commercial ships in the Red Sea. What would a U.S. and allied response look like? Produced by Defense News and Military Times, this is the Early Bird Brief. Each morning, we bring you the defense and national security news of the day. We are in talks
1: with other countries about a maritime task force of sorts.
0: And a new report sheds light on diversity among U.S. military officers. What does it all mean for our defense and security? You'll find out. I'm your host, Simone Perez. Today is December fifth, 2023. First up, we have some news coming from the White House. The U.S. may work with allies to establish a naval task force in the Red Sea. During a press briefing, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said the goal of the task force would be to escort commercial ships that have come under attack in recent days and weeks.
1: We are in talks with other countries about a maritime task force of sorts involving the ships from partner nations alongside the United States in ensuring safe passage of ships in the Red Sea. Those talks are ongoing as we speak. I don't have anything formal to announce.
0: The announcement comes just one day after the U.S. Navy destroyer Carney defended against attacks on merchant ships. Iranian-backed rebels in Yemen claimed responsibility for those attacks. The U.S. Energy Information Administration says 8.8 million barrels of oil a day are shipped through the Red Sea and the narrow Strait of Bab al-Mandeb. Both are in range of Houthi rebels in Yemen, a group backed by Iran, which makes it one of the most crucial choke points in world trade. The ships carry oil and natural gas from the Gulf to Europe, the United States, and China. Millions of tons of agricultural products and other goods also transit the Red Sea and Bab al-Mandeb yearly. But Sullivan warned that responsibility for the attacks do not rest on the Houthis alone.
1: Iran, we believe, is the ultimate party responsible for this.
0: In other news, we have some updates on the U.S. Air Force Osprey crash off the coast of Japan. Bringing us these new details, Air Force Times editor Rachel Cohen joins the episode. So, Rachel, could you please give us what updates you have on this crash off the southern coast of Japan involving a U.S. osprey?
1: Yeah, so on Monday morning, so December 4th, um, the Air Force said that six bodies, you know, six six remains have been found so far. They found five more remains over the weekend. So last week, uh, it came out that Staff Sergeant Jake Gallagher, 24-year-old based at Yokota, he was he was the first aircrew that they found, and then over the weekend they found five more. Um, they've also found the main wreckage of the aircraft. So they've they've recovered two of those bodies, and they're working on getting the other three. Um, and then there's still two more airmen that are missing. So it's a it's a really you know extensive, complicated rescue effort. The aircraft it sounds like it you know it's about a hundred feet down. In the ocean off of Japan, um, so they're they've got they've got more work to do to bring everybody home.
0: And what have the U.S. and Japan been talking about regarding Osprey operations in the area?
1: Yeah, so Japan and the U.S. both operate their own Osprey fleets. Japan has stopped flying its Ospreys for the time being. It's also, you know, encouraged the Air Force and the Marine Corps, which which fly them in country, to stop um, until. You know more information about what caused this crash comes out. The U.S. has said it won't stop flying the Ospreys. It, the The Air Force unit that flies them at Yokota has has paused just while the search is ongoing. So they're they're helping. Uh, the Ospreys are helping with that search, but not anything you know broader than that. The U.S. military operations have obviously been a sticking point in Japan for for a long, long time, and that relationship gets more contentious. You know when there are Uh, fatal accidents like this one.
0: Also on your radar for today, a new report from RAND Corporation takes a look at diversity among the officer corps. For more on this, Megan Myers, our Military Times Pentagon Bureau Chief, sits down with us. So Megan, thank you again for coming, a familiar voice to our listeners. What were some of the findings of this report?
2: So this report looked at some recent officer promotion data in the army and what they found is that some of the recent changes the army made to their promotions process may have helped diversify promotions. So... Essentially a couple of years ago the army decided to or was told by the Pentagon to take photos out of promotion packets so that the people reviewing them couldn't see essentially the skin color of the person that they were reviewing and then they took it a step further and redacted names, genders, all of that from promotion packets so that you could only see somebody's accomplishments and you couldn't see whether they had a name that might denote any sort of background or you know whether they were male or female and because Because of that, early in the data, it kind of looks like minority officers are being promoted more often than they used to be. There is still a pretty big gap with white officers, but it looks like that might be closing.
0: And for those listeners who might not know, what can you tell us about the current demographic composition of the U.S. military?
2: In the overall military, minorities are actually becoming a bigger and bigger share. It's roughly a third in the overall military, and a lot of that is made up on the enlisted side. In the enlisted side, there's actually a plurality, which means basically that like white white people don't make up the majority um, anymore of enlisted people. It's it's a little more um, spread around. On the officer corps, it's still primarily white, but um, black, Hispanic, Asian American. People are all are all closing that gap a little bit where we're not seeing diversity is in the senior leader ranks and this report deals with that it says you know we have good retention rates for minority officers but if they're not being promoted then they're not going to get to the top they're not going to be able to stay in the army in this case Um, and that means that even if you are getting so many more people of color into the army the senior leadership is not going to reflect the larger army and the pentagon you know the army considers that an issue
0: And now, here are some other stories that we're hearing chirps about. Air and Space Forces magazine reported that U.S. officials said the U.S. conducted a drone strike in Iraq on Sunday. The strike reportedly happened as militants were preparing to attack U.S. troops. The Pentagon's chief technology officer is preparing to transition the first slate of joint rapid experimentation projects to production this fiscal year. This follows approval from Defense Department leaders. The Stockholm International Peace Research Institute said yesterday the arms revenue of the world's largest arms-producing and military services companies last year stood at $597 billion. That marked a 3.5% drop from 2021. And Stars and Stripes reported that the Navy set an electrical fire aboard the destroyer Howard sent a dozen sailors to the hospital Friday. Damage to the ship is still being assessed. And on this day in history, in 1945— Five U.S. Navy Avenger torpedo bombers, dubbed Flight 19, took off from the Fort Lauderdale Naval Air Station in Florida on a routine three-hour training mission, but they never returned. That evening, a search-and-rescue Mariner aircraft took off with a 13-man crew to find the bombers, but the Mariner also disappeared. Despite an extensive search, nothing was found. They were all believed to have disappeared in the area of the Bermuda Triangle. That's it for us this morning. To get more top stories and breaking news, go to defensenews.com ebb to subscribe to the Early Bird Brief newsletter. Please give us a like, rating, and a comment wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to follow us on social media at defense underscore news and at military times. The Early Bird Brief is hosted and produced by me, Simone Z. Perez. Today's episode featured stories by The Associated Press, Rachel Cohen, and Megan Myers. Our editor-in-chief is Mike Bruce. Have a great day.